Nation Podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld. Thanks so much for listening as usual. Well, we got a ton of things to talk about. Um, Oklahoma basketball moving to 3-0 and in the season with a big win late, late on Tuesday night. I don't know if you stayed up and watched that or not, but another big, uh, big time performance for Kristen Doolittle in Long Kruger's uh, group. Um, hey, we've got some... Um, some listener emails we're going to we're going to hit up um there's a flawed argument against the Big 12 that we've got to talk about as well oh yeah hey Oklahoma visiting Baylor that's kind of a big game we're going to give you a breakdown of that uh best case scenario for the Sooners outside of just straight up winning that game um and we're going to give you predictions for all five of the Big 12 football games this weekend Again, thanks so much for listening, whether you're catching us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or on iHeartRadio or at heartland-sports.com. Um, just can't say how much we appreciate you guys checking in with us and responding to us and just come along with us on this journey. Lon Kruger's group earns a 77-69 win over Oregon State on Tuesday night. It moves them to 3-0 and on the season. This is what you've... Um, really want to see from this team outside of the three and zero record is that your balanced scoring um, this it's not been there in a while for Oklahoma. And it's something that you kind of hope maintains with this group. That was a salty Oregon state team that Oklahoma defeated. And really technically it wasn't a true road game for the Sooners. Cause this game was played in Portland, not in Corvallis, but you go to Oregon to play Oregon state that's mostly going to be a road game for you. Oklahoma, for the first time this season, held a lead going into the half, and then they held on to that lead, expanded it by winning, like I said, 77-69. to 69. Here's what I'm talking about in terms of balance. Four of Oklahoma's five starters scored in double figures, led by 19 from Kristen Doolittle, who also produced 16 rebounds for a double-double, career high in rebounds for Doolittle, the only senior on this team. I mean, it's only the second game of the year for Doolittle, who everybody knows is well-documented. He served that one-game suspension to start the season, but it was kind of like he he got his legs underneath him a little bit uh, in terms of this game to to lead the team. Every Every member of Oklahoma's bench scored – the only guy who didn't score in this game was Devian Harmon, the freshman point guard. And and I, I get what Oregon State tried to do. And even though he didn't score, he helped out Oklahoma by pulling a lot of attention. I, I think it's the first game this season, really, in my opinion, where Harmon became the focal point of the defensive game plan for an opposing team. And guys like Doolittle, guys like Brady Manning, they they all benefited from the attention that Harmon was able to draw. Now, here's what you got to think about if you're an Oklahoma basketball fan, which I hope you are, because as I said after game one, this is a team that you're going to want to pay attention to. You're going to want to. They're not going to. They're they're not Kansas, okay? Don't 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 confuse what I'm saying for overhyping this team. Absolutely, 100% not like a Kansas type program but they're good i think they're 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 better than eighth place was where they were picked to finish in the big 12 i think also within a week or so they probably could be knocking on the door of the top 25 they play monday night against a better than average william and mary team uh they'll come in to norman ranked uh not ranked but with a 3-0 record on the season 
and then Thursday, Maryland Eastern Shore. So it should be another two and zero week for Oklahoma next week, which put them puts them at five and zero on the season. Again, no no games against ranked opponents as of yet, but at five and zero, it's probably good enough to have people start looking your way, and um, well, that's that's where you want to be. I mean. We talked about this. I feel like um, for three weeks now I, I've said this, and you know, bear with me as I repeat it again. I don't think the the true measure of this team is going to be measured by what they do in the non-conference because we've seen that the last two years. So, I mean, really, we've seen that since Buddy Hield left. We, we've seen this team play well in the non-conference portion of the season. We've, we've seen them get some big wins in the non-conference portion of the season. And then we've seen them straight up take a nosedive once they hit Big 12 conference play. So really, I, it, I think it's a good team. I, I honestly believe it's a good team. I believe it's it's going to be one of the better teams, one of the more fun teams to watch in the last two or three seasons. But I believe that you got to hold out and see what happens when conference play starts. You're going to have to, you're going to have to kind of, if, if you'll bear with me here, you're going to have to respect fans being cautiously optimistic as this basketball team moves forward this year. But I really, I mean, if I was a betting man and, and right now, I don't think, I don't think this is the eighth best team in the big 12. And I've said that. If you listen to me, you know I, I've said that. You know I believe that. Watch them play. Get in there. See this team. See what they do. This is going to be a fun team. They've got decent bench play, which they haven't had, um, you know, across the board in the last couple of seasons. Um, they've got guys who can score, space the floor, and score from anywhere on the floor, which again they haven't had the last couple of seasons. When your when your star like uh, Devian Harmon is having an off night, you've got other guys who can pick up the pick up the pace, and that's what we saw from Christian Doolittle. It's going to be a lot of fun, and so Monday night, William and Mary, that's a three and O team coming to Norman. You got nothing better to do on Monday night, so get out there, watch this team, enjoy the time, and uh, and cheer them on for a victory. So enough about. Basketball, let's talk football. Oklahoma with a huge game coming up and Waco, Texas, Saturday night, 6.30 kickoff, Central Standard Time. Doesn't get any bigger than this. And if you want to go, you can still go. Waco's not a, a long drive from Norman. It's not a long drive from Edmond. It's not a long drive from Oklahoma City. Wherever you are, you can get to Waco. Uh, you can get there, you know, at least Saturday morning, get there Saturday afternoon, do some tailgating, watch the game, and drive home. And it's not a, a day that kills you. If you want tickets, Vivid Seats is your place to go. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for events that you want to go to. You can sort by the price. You can look for seats in a section or a row of your choice. And you can do that all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts to the hottest – I can't do this. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats is has it all. Download the app and join Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Now, here's the great part. Here, All that's to get to this part right here if you want to go to Waco, Texas on Saturday night. 
When it's time to buy, new users can enter the promo code OVERTIME. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And you do that at checkout and you receive a discount of up to $100 on your tickets. Vivid Seats, that's your place. That's the way to get to Waco and cheer on the Sooners Saturday night. Okay, you know, there's a flawed argument out there about the Big 12. Uh, and this topic comes from one of our listeners. By the way, you can you can, you can can submit topics, questions, suggestions, comments. Hit us up uh, online. Email heartland underscore sports, heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. Basically, here's the crux of the argument. And, and actually, this person who asked me not to share the name for whatever reason, I, I don't know, but um, – they they made the argument that the Big 12 is so bad that Oklahoma can't make the playoffs as a member of the Big 12 with one loss. Now let's let's pause, time out, and let's think about this for just a second. And maybe this is why this is why um this person didn't want their name mentioned but i mean they sent me the email for the podcast in fact it's funny rich who's using my co-host uh not available to to jump in here with me uh at the moment but uh in a week or so we'll be back together rich actually sent me a text message today and goes hey man are you hearing about this argument about the big 12 not being able to compete and not being able to make the college football playoff it's an extremely flawed argument and and i you you, i i talked about this a bit last week it's out there it's on social media it's on it's on the radio airways it's on the internet but it's it's extremely flawed. And you can have within reason, there's plenty to complain about with the Big 12. You can complain about officiating. I mean, there, there's so much out there that you really you can complain. There are there are legitimate things within this conference that you can complain about. And I think it all begins with officiating, really. If you want to make a complaint against the Big 12, start right there. Complain that that schools are being fined for celebrating, storming the field. I mean, that's the fun of college sports, right? And not only is the Big 12 fining people, uh, institutions for having the students storm the field as if – have you ever been at a game? The last time I was – the only time I can remember in my life Oklahoma fans storming the field was the 2000 season against Nebraska. But I mean, that's that. I still remember that. I mean, that was 19 years ago, and I remember that vividly. But there's zero chance the stadium security, those guys in the yellow jackets, are going to stop 85, 45, or anywhere in between that many thousand people from taking the field. But yet, the Big 12, not only are they going to find the institution for doing that or for having that happen, but then they, I, I'm not a big fan of the Big 12 going out on Twitter and saying, hey, we find Kansas State for storming the field after their upset victory over the University of Oklahoma. So not only are you being a Debbie Downer, a party pooper, so to speak, by finding schools for this type of behavior, aka having fun, but you're proving that point by going to Twitter and announcing it on Twitter. And and I get it. They're trying to cut off, you know, cut the head off, you know, at, at, at the beginning. So the schools and people don't get to have the opportunity to come out and say, yeah, the Big 12 find us for this. The Big 12 wants to be the first to announce it. But just stop doing it. There are things you can be upset with in the Big 12. But 
let me tell you why this is a flawed argument that the Big 12 is unstable, that the Big 12 uh, is out there. The Big 12 will not exist five years from now. Guys, that's 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 the furthest from the truth. The Big 12 is thriving. And you may not like the Big 12. And, and I think you, it would be better for you just to take the standpoint of the argument and say, I don't like the Big 12. And that's okay. I want better. I, I you know, I, I want better. But let's stop acting like the Big 12 is bad. Let's stop acting like this is a failing conference. I mean, let's look at the dollar figures, right? Because that's, that's where you start. When you talk about a, a failed conference, $374 million, okay? If you want to be honest, $373.9 million. That was, that was the Big 12's revenue in 2018. Of that money, Oklahoma itself got $36.6 million. The Sooners, this athletic program, $36.6 million in a payout. I mean, if you're – it's up, by the way, it's up by $3 million from 2017. And, and when these numbers release for 2019, you're going to see another increase in this payout. So financially, the Big 12 is doing great. Is it doing what the SEC does? No, because you're comparing 10 teams to 14 teams. So the SEC has more revenue. But this is a long way from being a failed conference. And I, I do expect the next go around for conference realignment talks, when all that begins to take place, I think you're going to see the Big 12 add two teams. I think it's time. And I, I think they they recognize that. And I think they're going to do that. And also, I also think that will kind of um, what's what I'm looking for? Appease some fans who have complaints about this conference. But here's the biggest flaw in this argument. And, and I've talked to several people today. I mean, I, I, I have. I, I, I told you about Rich sending me a text message. I was involved with another conversation um, who, who takes the same side about the Big 12 just not being any good for the University of Oklahoma. Are you ready for the biggest flaw in this argument? Because it's a no-brainer. Oklahoma's made the college football playoff three of the last four years. They've been there three of the last four years. And by the way, they've had one loss. So what this comes down to is, and it's okay, but it comes down to Oklahoma fans in general not being satisfied with where this program is. In fact, this person, the other person I had a conversation with today, it, she was like, I'm not – I'm not a big fan of Lincoln Riley. So I began to press a little bit. And I said, hey, do you do you know when's the when is the last time Oklahoma did not go to a bowl game? Of course, she couldn't answer that question. And I'm sure a lot of people who take this stance that the Big 12 is awful, the Big 12 is trash, the Big 12, Oklahoma can't win in the Big 12. Oklahoma's dominating the Big 12. They're dominating the Big 12. But a lot of people don't remember 1998. They don't remember 1997. They don't remember 1996. They don't remember 1995. They don't remember Howard Schnellenberger and John Blake and how bad this program was. And, and so we've gone from the mid-90s complaining about five, six losses a season to 2019 not being satisfied because we lose one time. And because the, the college football playoff rankings are out 
and Oklahoma is number 10 instead of number four or number three or number two or number one. And we say, well, Oklahoma can't win in the Big 12. It's the conference's fault. No, it's not the conference's fault. The conference is fine on its own. We've seen Oklahoma there. We've seen them there three of the last four years with one loss. Oh, but they lost to Kansas State. Okay, well, two years ago they lost to Iowa State, still made the playoffs. What this comes down to is not the Big 12. It comes down to Oklahoma not being the best football program in the country. But only one school gets to be that. In recent years, that one school has been either Clemson or Alabama. And unfortunately, that's who Oklahoma runs into in the first round of the college football playoffs. So then the argument moves to, well, in the Big 12, the Big 12 is so bad, the conference is so weak, that it doesn't prepare Oklahoma to play against the SEC, to play against the ACC. When they get into the bowl games against these schools, they can't win. And so I would challenge you to go back and look at Oklahoma's last two performances in the Sugar Bowl. Winners against teams from the state of Alabama, one of them being the Crimson Tide and most recently being the Auburn Tigers. It's a flawed argument. Just say you don't like the Big 12. But don't try to make up this reason that Oklahoma can't compete nationally on the college football playoff because they play in the Big 12. If, if you think Oklahoma needs to be in the Big 10 or the SEC in order to get into the college football playoff, then let's talk about Kansas State. Because this team right now that Oklahoma has, if they lost to Kansas State, there's and you think the SEC is as strong as, as everybody else says it is? You're telling me a team that lost to Kansas State, not a bad team. All right? I'm, not, I'm not disparaging the Wildcats, but they're not an upper-tier team. They're not a top-10 team. The Big Ten and the SEC are dominating the top 10 right now. So you think Oklahoma needs to get to one of those two conferences in order to be competitive. But guess what? If they're losing to Kansas State in the Big 12 on an off day, they're going to lose in the, in the SEC. There's a lot of teams there that can catch them on the off day. There's a lot of teams in the Big Ten. You, know, you think this team can go toe-to-toe with Iowa State in conference? But what about Ohio State? A lot of differences there. You think this team can go toe-to-toe with Oklahoma State? What about Michigan State? What about Penn State? Can they go to toe-to-toe with Baylor? What about Alabama? What about Georgia? Guys, let's just give up the argument, okay? Let's give up the argument. Let's say it's flawed. The SEC is not as strong as it as the appearance of it is. I mean, can we just revisit the fact that the SEC has more FCS losses this season than the Big 12 does? Can can we move on and just and admit that the only ranked team that Alabama has played this season they've lost to? So let's talk. Let's stop. Just just let's just stop the madness. Because you lose the argument with the simple statement of Oklahoma's made the college football playoff three of the last four years as the Big 12 champion. You win the conference championship, you put yourself in prime position. It just so happens this year, there was three undefeated teams in the Big 10 a week ago. You had two undefeated teams in the SEC a week ago. And now things are starting to adjust and starting to slide. 
I seriously doubt, seriously doubt that an that a one-loss Oklahoma Big 12 champion will be ranked behind a one-loss Utah Pac-12 champion or a one-loss Oregon Pac-12 champion. I really don't think that's going to happen. I don't think a one-loss Big 12 champion Oklahoma team is going to be behind a one-loss Georgia team or a two-loss Georgia team, which probably is heading their way in the SEC championship right now. So let's just stop that. Let's just stop that menace. Thanks, thanks for uh, hitting us up on on um, on email. We'd love to hear from more of you guys. And then, again, if you agree or disagree, I want to know about it. But that's my opinion. If you ask it, I'm going to share it. So let's jump in here and talk specifically about Oklahoma and Baylor, starting with Oklahoma's offense versus the Baylor defense. The Sooners come into this game averaging 48.4 points per game. Baylor giving up an average of 19 points per game. Um, a lot of despair, uh, difference between the offensive stats. Oklahoma 587.3 yards per game on average. Baylor gives up 337.4 yards per game on average. This is a huge game for Jalen Hurts. In many ways, because the Bears are 36th nationally in passing yards allowed, 271.3 yards per game, and they're 41st nationally in rushing yards allowed, 188.2 yards per game. So Jalen Hurts is the balance here. I I believe. I mean, look, you you gotta you gotta love the fact that Lincoln Riley discovered Kennedy Brooks again last week against Iowa State. Okay, for all that game was, you look at the offense and you think, wow. Right, you found Kennedy Brooks. Now, you you hate the injury to Trey Sermon. I think a Ramondre Stevenson steps in there and begins to fill that void that Sermon had. T.J. Pledger maybe coming in and, and having more of a role with this offense. But I think you can take – I mean, Lincoln Riley is all about balance, right? He's a little bit, little bit run heavy, but he uses the run to pass. That's no secret. We've talked about it on this podcast. It's been talked about nationally. That's I'm not breaking any news there that, that Lincoln Riley likes to run to pass. But here's where Jalen factor comes in, uh, the Jalen Hurts factor comes in, and that is with he can do with his arms and his legs. I don't believe I, – I think much like Iowa State – the key is going to be on Jalen Hurts. The the Cyclones approach that game. We're not going to let Jalen Hurts run on us. That's why Kennedy Brooks had a big game. That's why CeeDee Lamb, other than the fact that he's just an absolute freak, had a big game. And I think that same scenario is going to present itself. You look at what Baylor did against Jalen Rigger a couple of weeks ago and that in that TCU game, I guess it was just last Saturday, where they were able to really shut him down by focusing on him. Now, here's the difference between what they did against TCU and what they're going to try to do against Oklahoma. TCU didn't have Jalen Hurts as a quarterback, so you cannot focus that much attention on CeeDee Lamb because of what Oklahoma is able to do with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has to be on point passing. He does because he's going to get his opportunities to run, whether it's a breakdown in play or whether it's a, a, you know, the coverage is coming his way. He's going to have the opportunity to run the football and he needs to take advantage of those opportunities. But really, he needs to be on point when he throws the ball. This is a big road game for Jalen Hurts. We all know last time Oklahoma played on the road, they lost at Kansas State. I believe Baylor is a better team than Kansas State's. I think the statistics prove that. I think the record proves that. But you attack this game with balance. So what that sets this up for is a big game for Jalen Hurts through the year. I think a decent game for Jalen Hurts on the ground. But the two guys that you're going to have to watch that really make this whole thing spin 
if you're the University of Oklahoma, is going to be Kennedy Brooks out of the backfield, how they use him as a receiver, how they use him as a running back. I think Kennedy Brooks should be on the plus side of 150 total yards in this game. And that's going to be a big game for him. That's going to, that, that is going to be a positive sign for the University of Oklahoma. If Kennedy Brooks is at the century mark or lower, it, this could be a really dicey, iffy, questionable game. Same thing with CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb is going to have the opportunities for his to typical, what we're becoming used to, big-time play that just makes you go, wow, how in the world did he do that? We saw him do it against Iowa State. We saw him do it against Kansas State. We've seen him do it. We saw him do it against Texas. We've seen him do it all season long. Those opportunities are going to be there, but it's all going to be on Jalen Hurts. The offensive line has to give Jalen Hurts time. Jalen Hurts has to show the patience in the pocket and not kind of not have that propensity to tuck and run as he's had so much. I think that's when this offense begins to stall. I do not believe, even though the stats show that Baylor gives up an average of 19 points per game, I don't believe that the Baylor that the Baylor defense is as good as what Oklahoma faced last week in Iowa State. Let, let's just run through this. Like Kansas State, Baylor gave up 12 points. Texas Tech, I don't believe Texas Tech is a great team. I think Oklahoma's offense is way ahead of Texas Tech. 30 points against Texas Tech, 27 points against Oklahoma State, 14 points against a struggling West Virginia offense, 23 points last week against TCU. The opportunity will be there for Oklahoma's offense if they do three things. Number one, give Jalen Hurts time. Protect. This, I believe this is an opportunity for Oklahoma's offensive line to get back to kind of being a little bit dominant. That We've seen them two weeks in a row against Kansas State and Iowa State. We've seen them get pushed around. I think they can be against this Baylor defensive front. I believe Oklahoma has the advantage here and can be the physical, aggressive uh, team that we've seen them really on both sides of the ball. But we'll get into the defense here a little bit later on. So you got to give Jalen Hurts time. You got to offer some protection. Secondly is Jalen Hurts has to take advantage of his downfield shots, be it 10 yards downfield or be it 30, 40, 50 yards downfield. He's got to take advantage of those shots. He's got the best receiver in the country in CeeDee Lamb. And then the third thing, this just is is really what has plagued Oklahoma all season long is you don't turn the ball over. Last week against Iowa State wasn't Jalen Hurts' fault. Now, he had opportunity for turnovers. Fortunately for him, those those passes were dropped instead of intercepted. But you've got the two fumbles in last week's game. Actually, he did have an interception. Sorry, my bad. Uh, he did have an interception late in, in that game that helped Iowa State to that fourth quarter rally. I was thinking of that, about the C.D. Lamb fumble. But, yeah, so you got to protect the ball. you got you got to not turn it over. And, and those are the three things that this offense can do. And if they do it, they're they're going to be in position to match Baylor stride for stride. This is going to be an up-tempo, I believe, high-scoring game. So that means every possession counts. And again, to go back to being, being cliche, you turn the ball over, you put the hands, <laughs> you put the ball in the hands of the opposing offense. That's pretty lethal. Charlie Brewer is a good quarterback. Uh, we're going to talk about Oklahoma's defense against them. But the point is this: you don't want to give them extra opportunities. We saw this against Iowa State. Turning the ball over takes points, literally takes points off the board for you because if you're at the University of Oklahoma, you can score in so many different facets of the game. When you turn the ball over, you you literally take points off the board. And when you have a defense playing the way Oklahoma's defense is playing right now, you turn the ball over, you're basically putting points on the board for your opponent. That's how this game kind of got away from them 
last week against Iowa State. And that's exactly how it can get away from them this week on the road in Waco. You really can't overstate the importance of this game in Waco, Oklahoma, Baylor, Saturday night. Oklahoma wins this game. They take over once again in the driver's seat for the Big 12 championship. They remain in the conversation uh, in the college football playoff. And if they lost, if they lose, you know, they're still, you know, here's what happens. They, they go um, out of the college football playoff conversation. They go out of the driver's seat for the Big 12 championship and they stay in the conversation for the Big 12 championship. And that becomes the best case scenario uh, that and the Sugar Bowl where everything is still literally on the table for Oklahoma. That means you're going to want to watch this game, but you also might want to get in a little bit more action. And that's where our friends, my bookie come in right now. The, my, uh, my bookie has Oklahoma as a 10 and a half point favorite over the Baylor Bears. And if you haven't gotten in on that kind of action, now's the time. If you check out the latest from everything at mybookie.ag. Of course, in addition to traditional spreads and totals, quarters and halves and periods on the ice, if you're a hockey fan, they also have player props, including points, yards, or goals. PGA, NASCAR, soccer, more. And now's the best time to get on all the action. If you sign up at mybookie.ag and you use our promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, and they will match your first deposit. Again, that's promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. Mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Now, Oklahoma's defense versus the Baylor offense. I believe... Again, I think there's a track record here the last two weeks with West Virginia and TCU showing how to limit what Baylor can do offensively and and give Matt Rule and give Charlie Brewer some credit for figuring it out and pulling off second-half comebacks to win these games. Really, they didn't have to do a comeback against West Virginia as much as they just had to hold off a Mountaineers rally. But they definitely had to come back against TCU last week. Baylor right now going into this game, averaging 35.3 points per game, 459 yards per game. They've got a, a two-headed monster at running back between John Lovett and Michael Hasty. They've, they've got a, a seasoned quarterback in Charlie Brewer. And they've got an NFL-bound wide receiver in Denzel Mins, And maybe another one in Taquan Thornton. But here's the stat that you want to know the most about Baylor's offense. 22 sacks allowed in nine games. 22 sacks allowed in nine games. And I believe that this is where Oklahoma's defense can once again take control and set the tone. Now, again, defensively, I think there's two main keys here. And we're just going to just throw this out there. The number three key between the offense and the defense has to do with turnovers. Oklahoma has to end the drought of not recording a turnover. I I tweeted out against Iowa State last week when they held the Cyclones on fourth and goal. To me, that counts as a turnover. But on the official stat sheet, it doesn't. So let's just say number three, turnovers. The top two things that Oklahoma has to do is, number one, they've got to stop the run. They've got to stop the run. Jermichael Hasty averaging 5.8 yards per carry. John Lovett averaging 6.3 yards per carry. These guys are in close proximity with one another in the number of attempts. Love it. 85 attempts on the season. Jermichael Hasty, 79. Both score four touchdowns on the season. You got to stop the run. You got you to control the line of scrimmage and you got to stop the run. 
If, if Baylor's running the ball, and we saw Iowa State do it last week, so you wonder, can Baylor do it? You know, as a team, as a team, the Bears have rushed for 1,694 yards on the season, 23 touchdowns with an average of 5.0 yards per carry. Running the ball, just like uh, just like Oklahoma, just like Lincoln Riley, running the ball is instrumental to what Matt Rule does with Charlie Brewer and this offense. And if you want to limit the offense, same thing with Oklahoma. If you want to limit the offense, you limit the run. And that means the front seven personnel are on the clock, so to speak. They're in the spotlight. Can Oklahoma do to Baylor what they did against Texas? Can Oklahoma do to Baylor what they did against Houston? Can Oklahoma do to Baylor what they did against UCLA? Can they limit the run? If they get gashed on the ground, this game is going to become extremely uncomfortable. Because it's on the road, and the last thing you want on the road is the crowd behind you. Look at Kansas State. That's all you got to do. Go back and look at what happened at Kansas State. Oklahoma jumps out to a big lead. The Wildcats come back by running the football. They get the crowd behind them. Oklahoma has to play to stop the run. And the second thing they have to do, I mean, 22 sacks on the season. There's no excuse. There's no reason why Oklahoma shouldn't get pressure on Charlie Brewer. Charlie Brewer has run the ball 95 times this season. 95 times. That's a team high. But he's averaging 2.2 yards per carry. So 95 carries for 211 total yards. Now, he does have seven touchdowns on the season, which is also a team high, seven rushing touchdowns. But let's not confuse Charlie Brewer for Jalen Hurts. Let's not confuse Charlie Brewer for Sam Ellinger. He's a much better thrower than Sam Ellinger, but he's not a running threat. He shouldn't be. And he knows that. Now, he's going to run if there's no other opportunity. He's going to run on a design play. But if he gets flushed, if he gets pressured, he still wants to throw the ball. If you can get pressure on him by design blitz, or even better, with your base personnel. And and I, I look at this Baylor offensive line, and I look at Oklahoma's defensive line. Neither are the best in the Big 12. But I think there's ample opportunity here for Oklahoma defensively to get pressure on Charlie Brewer. And I think that's going to be where Oklahoma has an advantage in this game. I think Baylor's going to score points. I think Oklahoma fans are going to be frustrated. I think the Sooners on defense are going to miss some tackles. They're going to be out of position on some plays. And I think it's going to come back and hurt them. But I think Oklahoma can get enough stops by putting Baylor behind the chains, by stuffing the run on first down, by dropping Charlie Brewer for a sack here and there, that it's either a punt or a turnover on downs. And I think that becomes a huge difference maker for this team and this game. So that means guys like Neville Gallimore. Neville Gallimore has to have a big game. Marquise Overton has to have a big game. But so does Kenneth Murray. That front, that front two layers of defense. Whoever's on John Lovett, you know, the linebacker watching the gaps, uh, you know, gap sound. If John Lovett's coming at you, you can't miss. 
And and again, Alex Grinch has has received some criticism for that defensive performance, particularly in the second half against Iowa State. But I challenge you to go back and count the missed tackles. Oklahoma's defense seems to have regressed. And, and what that tells me is, and I get it, what that tells me is in the off week, during that bye week, Oklahoma did not do a lot of contact because you're trying to heal up. You, you want to use that week to get everybody healthy once again. And so Oklahoma didn't do a lot of contact. And therefore, you have guys whiffing when the running back's coming right at you. I mean, Alex Grinch came up with some schemes that put guys in position to make tackles behind the line of scrimmage, and they didn't happen. And in at least one case, it turned into a touchdown for the Cyclones. Those type of things cannot happen, absolutely cannot happen this week. Cannot happen on the road in a night game with a crazy crowd. Same thing in the secondary. Denzel Mims cannot be open. He cannot be running free down the sideline. Take one Thornton cannot be open, cannot be running free down the sidelines. By the way, Denzel Mims, eight receiving touchdowns on the season. You don't think Charlie Brewer is going to look to him? Averaging 15.3 yards per reception. Fundamentally sound football for Oklahoma's defense is a must this weekend. But the key thing that they have to do, they have to do, is they have to stop the run and they have to put pressure on Charlie Brewer. Those two things happen. It puts Oklahoma in a good position. And if they can score a turnover here and there, one or two turnovers, puts Oklahoma in great position. And that's exactly where you want to be. Let me hit you up with another question that was uh, presented to me, and I'm just going to throw this out there. It came from my co-host, Rich, who said, what's the best case scenario for Oklahoma? Is it a close win or is it a blowout win? Absolutely the best case for Oklahoma in this Baylor game is a blowout win. Now, do I think that's going to happen? Yeah, you see our friends at my bookie. I told you they have Oklahoma as a 10.5-point favorite. I think that's too high, honestly. But I love to be wrong when it comes to stuff like this. I think Oklahoma's best chance, best chance in this game is to beat Baylor by a couple of touchdowns, at least get a double-digit win, and then have Baylor win out and beat them again in the Big 12 championship. If Baylor runs runs through the season with two losses and those two losses come to the University of Oklahoma, Oklahoma is a one-loss Big 12 champion. That is a great scenario for the University of Oklahoma, particularly if those two wins over Baylor are comfortable wins. Pits Oklahoma in a really, really good spot and the favorable position with the playoff committee. So if you're looking for the best case scenario for Oklahoma in this game, that's exactly what it is. All right, well, let's hit up the uh, Big 12 rundown. Let's talk about all five games real fast this weekend. Then I'm going to give you my score prediction for Oklahoma and Baylor. Please don't get mad at me, but it is my score prediction. Um, Early games, Kansas, Oklahoma State. You got to like Oklahoma State to win this game comfortably. Uh, right now, the Cowboys 17 and a half point favorites. I like, I like OSU right around that mark. I think. I, I think I, I mean right around that mark. I, I don't know if I would bet Oklahoma State in that 17 and a half. And here's the reason why: Kansas can run the ball. Oklahoma State can run the ball. I think a lot of clock gets chewed up in this game by the ball being on the ground. Not being like a fumble, but, you know, running the ball. But I do like Oklahoma State somewhere around 41 to 24. 
I think right around 17, but I would be afraid to take 17 and a half. TCU at Texas Tech. I think this is a close game. Both teams four and five, two and four in the Big 12. This is a big game as far as bowl eligibility comes. The winner is going to be sitting at five wins. The loser is going to be sitting at six losses. Six losses, you got to win two in a row to be bowl eligible. Five wins, you got to win one out of two. I do like TCU in this game on the road in Lubbock, but I like them close. I think this is a game was within a touchdown. Texas at Iowa State. Again, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk out there. What does this mean for Oklahoma? Texas number 19 right now in the college football playoff poll. Does a win as a seven and three Texas by virtue of a win at Iowa State does that help Oklahoma or does that hurt Oklahoma? I don't think it matters. I really don't. Now, obviously, Texas will climb in the polls if they win this game. But don't forget, Oklahoma has wins over both of these teams. So if, if Iowa State goes see I mean, you want Iowa State to be bowl eligible. You don't want Iowa State to be 500 or below at the, at the end of the season. And a loss here to Texas puts the Cyclones right at 500. I don't think Iowa State wins. I loses this game, though. I think, I, I think it's more than a touchdown that they beat Texas by. I really do. I mean, Texas is going on the road. I, I, I just I have no faith in Texas. I really don't. And, and maybe part of it is my bias. You've heard me talk before about how much I just can't stand Texas. I, I don't think a Texas loss hurts Oklahoma. I don't think an Iowa State loss hurts. I, I think either way, this game is impartial towards Oklahoma. I really do. I I at six and four, is Texas going to drop seven spots out of the college football playoff poll? If they do, it's going to be so significant, I mean, so low, like 26, 27, that the next week they win a game, they're back in. By the way, I think the next week, let me let me make sure I'm telling you right. I think the next week is Baylor. Yep, at Baylor. The Texas could go on a two-game losing streak before they close out the season versus Texas Tech. And if you're an Oklahoma fan, how can you not smirk at that? Right? Really? Kansas State at home against West Virginia, the Mountaineers, their season's basically done. Three and six on the season, one and five in the Big 12. Kansas State, a lot to play for, number 24 in the country. This is a game, if you're an Oklahoma fan, you want Kansas State to win this game because you want your one loss to be as high, high ranked as possible. Right? The Wildcats right now, number 24 in the college football playoff poll. A big win at home against West Virginia. It's got to help them. And I think they get the big win. I think Kansas State doubles up West Virginia somewhere around the the mark of 34 to 17. Last but not least, Oklahoma-Baylor. We've talked about it. We've discussed it. Let me give you my score prediction. I like Oklahoma by a touchdown. I, I see this game being somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 to 38. And I see a defensive stop here and there, maybe a turnover, kind of being a big key in this game. I think it's close. I think it's uncomfortable. But I think it's a win for Oklahoma. And with College Game Day being there, with Baylor being undefeated, this is a huge win for Oklahoma with implications on the college football playoff poll. Thanks so much for being a part of the Sooner Nation podcast. Again, I'm Matt Hofeld. You can hit us up on, hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. We'd love to hear where you agree or disagree. Give us your thoughts. Give us your comments. Give us your questions. Give us your suggestions. Take care, everybody. Enjoy your football this weekend. Boomer Sooner.